We're in a series called Working for the Man, and what we've been trying to discover together is what does God think about our work? And, uh, and we, we, we have kind of opened it, obviously, to more than just work, because some of us are in full-time school, some of us are stay-at-home moms, some of us are um, unemployed, some of us are retired. And we've, we've been talking about the fact that God created us to create. When, when, when we were created... Adam and Eve, we think of work as like a curse, um, but it, it, God had given us things to do prior to the fall. We were placed in the garden to tend it, to cultivate it, and so it's just that the, the, the fall kind of cursed the ground, and so it becomes more difficult, but what does God think about our work? And so we've, we've gone through three weeks so far. The, the main um, kind of verse that we've been looking at is this one right here. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, not as unto man, but unto the Lord. And the idea has been like, even when you're changing diapers, even when you're uh, 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 mowing the lawn, that, that do it unto God. And we kind of started to explore this idea, like what does that look like? Like how do I change a diaper as unto the Lord, you know? And, and uh, we, we've had some fun stories and things l- like that. But uh, just kind of leading up to this week, this is our final week in this, we, we talked about there's no secular work and there's no menial task. We have this idea in the church that what I do as pastor is the spiritual work. Uh, I, that's full-time ministry. And then what everyone else does is just, uh, n- you know, uh, n- normal work. And what we explored that first week is there is no secular uh, work. It's all spiritual. If, if I'm an accountant and I'm doing a spreadsheet and I'm doing as unto the Lord, that is kingdom work right there. Now, now the pastors get all the kind of glamour because they're the ones up in front, but, but if you're a salesperson and you're selling and you're doing your best and God has gifted you in that way and you're using your mind and your body the way God has created you to do it, you are advancing the kingdom of God. And we also said there's no menial task. There's not, in the kingdom, there aren't levels that if, if, if the, the pastor does the important work and then everyone else does the unimportant work. There is no menial task in the kingdom. And then the second week, what we talked about was how we spend our time is how we spend our lives. We, we were each given a time card, uh, which I put on my phone, a little piece of the time cards on my phone right now. And it's that God has gifted us. He's, he's entrusted us with our lives, with the time we have on this earth. We don't know how long that time is. We don't know. It, it says God has numbered our days. It says, teach us, Lord, to number our days that we might present to you a heart full of wisdom. And so we, we talked about the idea that, that you know, wh- what does wasting time look like? And what does time spent in the kingdom look like? And then the third thing we said was really not a point at all. It was a question, which kind of makes a point. How many different? We talked about Daniel and how Daniel was taken into captivity. And all the rest of the Hebrew slaves just kind of went along with it. And Daniel and his, uh, three bu- his two buddies are decided, no, we're not going to eat the king's food. And you just saw, you got to see how God kind of came through uh, for them and that they were able to, uh, to succeed. This morning, what we're going to look at is the idea of what does God think about us getting promoted? Like, you know, we, we, we had this um, Bible study that Lisa and I were leading, and we had this really neat family in there, this couple, and they were in the construction business. <clears throat> excuse me. And we would pray every week, because their business was struggling, we would pray every week for them to get accounts. 
and for the business to prosper. And so each week we kind of, you know, you'd want to hear what happened. Like, did you get any, did you get any uh, bids this week? And how are they going? And do you think, you know, how's it going to work? And so this just went on for week after week. And the entire small group was really invested in this couple and really invested, wanting to see their business grow. And one week they came in and they just said, we got this great job to do. And it looks like the business is turning around. And sure enough, they just started getting contract after contract after contract. Uh, so much so that they stopped coming to small group. Uh, he was too busy. And then they stopped going to church com- completely. And then they pretty much just fell off the face of the planet because they were so busy. They were so making so much money. They, moved, they sold their house, moved into a nicer house, and they kind of did all that. And you, you wonder, I wonder, I wonder when their prayer was answered. Now, I'm not judging them. I mean, it's like, well, if they didn't go to church, God must not have. But, but, but isn't it funny how, and I, I'm totally guilty of this, how I pray for success. I pray for more and more and more. And if God gives it to me or it comes about, I praise God. And when things are less and less and less, I, I get nervous and I'm on my knees and I'm crying out to God. I praise him when things go great. I'm crying out to him when things aren't going what we would call great. But we don't pray to get demoted, right? You don't, you're not in small group and they're like, you know, any prayer requests? And yeah, I, I, I have one, I have one. It's been laying heavy on my heart. I think next week they're gonna give me a raise and I just, I just pray that won't happen. I just pray that, I just, I just wanna make the same amount of money the rest of my life, you know? We don't do that, we don't go, you know, they're cutting benefits and I just, oh Lord, please, I, I wanna pay more for my health care. Uh, you know, give it to someone who needs it. We don't do that. We, we, we pray the opposite way. We pray for promotion. We don't pray for demotion. When we are losing our house, we don't say, Lord, please, this house is too big. We want to move into an apartment where we're crawling all over each other and really getting that bonding experience of being a tight-knit family, you know. We just don't do that. But here's the question we're going to ask this morning. Where is God in all of it? Where is God when you get the pink slip? And where is God when you get the promotion? We're going to look at a guy this morning in the book of Genesis, and uh, I'll just give you some background on him. Uh, his name's Joseph, and he comes from a highly dysfunctional family. He's got um, two or three stepmoms, and he's got six stepbrothers. And, um, and, and furthermore, the dad is kind of not doing that great of a job parenting. Well, actually, happy Father's Day, by the way, for all of you who are fathers. Joseph's dad gives us a really good idea. Pick the kid you like the most, and then just celebrate that kid in front of all the other kids. Like, buy him special stuff, make him special stuff. It's really good parenting, and the kids really begin to love that one kid. Right? Of, course, of course not. Okay? So what happens is Joseph's dad says, I kind of like this kid the most, and makes him this really cool jacket with like cool colors and stuff. And, and all the other brothers end up hating the guy. And you would too, if you had a, you, know, you might be in a blended family, and you're your stepmom or stepdad is like treating the one kid in the morning. It's, you're like, man, this is lame. This is what was happening to Joseph's brothers. Furthermore, God had gifted Joseph with the ability to interpret and have visions, okay? And so Joseph was having visions where he was better than his brothers, which is fine. But then he was sharing that with the brothers. 
So he imagine at the breakfast table, he comes in, puts on his robe that his dad made him with all the cool colors that says, you know, the best son, you know, or whatever. And you sit down, you pour your Cheerios, and you're like, oh, man, I had the best dream last night. I dreamt that I was in charge of all you guys, and you guys were serving me, okay? So this is what happened. This happened twice. So the brothers decided, like any brother would, let's kill him. And, and so uh, they go, and, oh, and he was a tattletale, too. He, he'd go out into the field, and if the brothers weren't doing it right, he'd run home to daddy and go, they're not working the way they should. And so, you know, everybody would hate this guy. So he comes out, and they take him, and they put him in a pit, and they're going to kill him, but they decide, one of the brothers decides, no, let's just let him be sold off into slavery. And so these, these nomads come called the Ishmaelites, and they grab him, and they sell him into slavery. That's kind of where, where, where we are at this particular part in the story. Now, here's the question I have for you. If you're Joseph and you have a special coat that your dad made you and your dad's doing pretty well, he's got lots of land, lots of cattle, you guys are doing great, and you get sold into slavery, what's your prayer? You know, dear Lord, get me out of slavery. <laughs> that, that would be my prayer, right? But, but, but where was God? Like, why would God give Joseph the ability to have and interpret dreams just to be sold into slavery? Now, for those of you who cheated or you've read the story before and you think you know what's going on, just, we're going to get there. But, right, think about it in real time. There you are in a pit. Your brother's left. You're like, ha, ha, real funny, guys. Okay, I I won't wear the jacket anymore. And it goes on, it goes on, it goes on, and then all of a sudden people show up and they, they, they drag you off to Egypt. This is Joseph's lot in life. Now check this out, this is so cool. The Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered. Now, Joseph probably didn't see it as prospering, right? Because he's, he's not back home. He's not back to where he's supposed to be. It's not back to where the the prayers he's crying out, God, deliver me from these pagan people and get me back to my home, is not being answered. His life is going downwards, not upwards, trending down, not trending up. But the Bible tells us the Lord was with Joseph. Now, here's the trap I get into. See, I think if he got delivered from slavery, the Lord would have been with Joseph. Like God making it right again. Then God's with you. But during this time, how can you get sold into slavery and say God is with me? So he says, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He got, he got picked up by this guy named Potiphar, okay, who was, who was an official for the Pharaoh. And the master sees this. He sees that Joseph is doing really well. And so here's what he does. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Every, like, like Joseph show, Joseph's like a lucky charm. Like, or no, like, good luck charm. Lucky charm is a cereal that you can have for breakfast with stars and clovers and stuff. But he's a good luck charm. He shows up, and all of a sudden, everything begins to prosper. For Joseph, no. Potiphar. Where's God in that? You ever done that where you work for a company and you're working and working and working and working and the boss is driving a BMW and you're driving around a clunker still making minimum wage and you're, you're doing everything but he's the one prospering. Where's God in that? 
that sounds unfair to me. There should be some profit sharing thing or something. Where's God? It's with Joseph. Blessing Joseph. Now, Joseph isn't getting any of the money, okay? Potiphar's getting the money. So watch this. So he, he blessed him in, uh, in, not only in the house, in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had uh, with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Is that just like a typical dude or what? Like, you know, don't mess with my food, okay? And so he, happy Father's Day, by the way, again, okay? <clears throat> now, now, this is so cool. This is, the Bible is just awesome. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. Isn't that cool? Again, happy Father's Day. I, I'm looking out here. There's a whole church of well-built and handsome men. Okay? He, he was well-built uh, and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. She was very tired. Okay? <laughs> Apparently. And she wanted Joseph to tuck her in. Okay. Uh, Listen, is it trending down for Joseph right now or up? <laughs> it, all it, all, it all depends on how you look at it, right? It all depends on how you look at it. I mean, it, it, for, for, for us, we look and we think, well, I don't know, what does what is, what is Potiphar's wife look like? You know, I mean, I, we, we don't know. But here he is. Listen, he's in slavery. Now, understand this from Joseph's perspective. He's in slavery, and things start looking pretty good. He, he starts getting in charge of everything. And now he's starting to kind of use his gifts. And he's thinking to himself, you know, with me in charge, I can probably plan my escape. I can probably get out of here. I'm sure his prayer has been, God, get me back to my parents. Get me back to my family. I need to get back. And all of a sudden, this gal comes up and says, hey, come to bed with me. Maybe this is happening in your life. The job was going awesome. It was going great. And you got a new manager a manager you can't stand. Maybe school has been wonderful and you're just thinking, you're in your junior year and you're just like, please don't let me get this one teacher, this one teacher, I, I, anything but this one teacher. And you get your little packet in the mail and you look and you go, oh no. How do you pray during that time? Where's God in that? Where, where, where's God when like the job, your dream job is just awesome and they start cutting people, they start cutting your pay, they start laying people off. Where's God? Like, what does God think about my promotion? What does God think about my demotion? You're in the house that you've always wanted. All of a sudden, you're in a, an apartment. Where's, where's God in that? Now, now watch what happens, because this, uh, uh, this is pretty cool. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. Now, that's a normal response. Are you kidding me? I'm going to lose my job. In this case, maybe his life. Okay? He says this. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because FYI, you're his wife. <laughs> like little reminder, Potiphar's your wife and he's my master. Now, watch what... Watch what he says. This is so incredible. It, just think about it. You're in a job and things aren't going well and, and all, you're confronted with this temptation, whatever it is. Maybe it's to fudge some numbers. Maybe your job's been perfect and all of a sudden your boss says, look, from headquarters, we got to get our numbers up. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to increase these, these a little bit. 
Let's get them up there, and it's, it's, it's good for everybody. They, they know we're doing it anyway. It's good. It's good. You say, oh, man, I, I, don't, I don't feel right about that. I, I can't do that. Now, watch his answer, because he could have said, honey, <laughs> your husband will kill me, and that would be a good answer. He could say, you know, whatever. I don't think this is going to work out between us. Uh, I don't, I, I'm scared or, or whatever. And here's what he says. So cool. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Now, listen, listen, this is so incredible because Joseph would have every excuse in the book not to follow through. I mean, I mean, think about it. What were his two dreams with his brothers? I, I want to be a ruler over you. And he knew they were from God. He told them this is from God. And now he's a slave. From his circumstances, he could look back and go, those, those must not have been dreams. That, not, that must not have been God. As a matter of fact, this whole God thing, what, what's he doing? I'm, I'm a slave. Where's God in this? But Joseph keeps this thing in the back of his mind. I'm not going to sin against God, even though I have all the excuses why I could. And now watch what it says. Because she, she doesn't she says, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Like he's starting to set his boundaries. Like, I don't even want to. I, I just don't want to. But it, it's not like he can quit. He's a slave. He's stuck there. So he's starting to set his boundaries. Like, okay, look, if this is where I'm going to be, I'm going to be right with the Lord. Isn't that a cool perspective? Imagine if that was our perspective. No matter where I'm going to be, I want to be right with God. If, you know what? If God takes away this great job, if God takes away this house, if God takes away this relationship, if God takes it away, you know, you know no matter what, I want to be right with God. Day after day, she's, she's, she's uh, going after him. Well, uh, he... Uh, decides uh, no again. And, uh, and so she, one day, she's sitting there, and he's there, and they're in the house, and nobody else is in the house. And she grabs him by the cloak and says, come to bed with me. I'm so tired, or whatever. And he takes off and she like, wrestles himself out, and now she's got his cloak. Now, some, you'll hear it taught, or scholars say, you know, then he, he ran out naked, which the Bible doesn't say, because who just wears a cloak and nothing underneath? That's kind of creepy. So, so he, he takes off, and she's got his cloak, and she waits till her husband gets home, and she tells this fabrication, this story, about how he came onto her, and she was able to fight him off. Where's God in that? The dude, day after day, does the right thing. Every day, she's telling him, come to bed with me, sleep with me, whatever. Day after day after day after day. She's probably come up with excuses. She's probably said, listen, listen, Potiphar, actually, he doesn't care about that. He's on these trips and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it's an open relationship. Who knows? It's, but day after day after day, he's been faithful to God. And now she fabricates his story. And you know where he ends up? jail it's like lord get me out of slavery okay now you're in prison <laughs> like where's god in that when you're faithful 
See, see here, here's the thing. See, I, I think God does things at a deeper level than, than we really want him to. And, and, and so when I pray, God, you know, give me a raise, or God, g- give me this thing, or, or when I celebrate your business transaction and go, that's awesome, I wonder in the back of my mind sometimes, does God really want that? What, what if they end up becoming materialistic? What if they leave the small group, leave the church, and ultimately leave Christianity because they don't feel like they need anything anymore? They've got it all taken care of. I, that, that's, that's not good. Sorry. I'm upset. Is this stuff, I'm passionate about this stuff. So where, where's God? I mean, maybe this has been your thing. You've been faithful, 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 faithful. And then you get news and you're like, this isn't how it's supposed to work. I'm faithful. I should be blessed. I'm faithful. It should work out. Where's God? Let me show you where God is. It's so cool. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. Really? Like, but then how come he had to go to prison? Like, who goes to prison? You know, it shouldn't work out that way. But God was with Joseph. And you know what? As we're going to see as we continue on, Joseph understood this. Joseph was a big picture guy. He began to see, and I, I don't know how. I mean, Joseph was 17 years old when he got snatched and brought to the, the Egyptians' uh, house. 17. Man, this is a mature dude for 17 years old. And he's well-built and handsome to boot, right? You know what it says in Psalm 105? Psalm 105 talks about uh, this particular time for Joseph. And it talks about how he had uh, 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 his neck, uh, a steel band around his neck, and that his hands were shackled. Where is God in that? He's in prison, like serious prison, with a collar on his neck and a chain probably attached to the wall. But the Lord was with Joseph. And Joseph was able to escape. No, watch. He showed showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Ooh, thanks, Lord. If you could just get me out, that would be better. God begins this process, okay? So he has, he, he has these things. And sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Okay? Now, can you imagine your boss? You think your boss is, is like weird? Imagine if you go to prison just for offending him. I, I would have been in prison most of my life. He says this, Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. In the same prison where Joseph was confined. So these guys show up. Now listen, this this next verse is so cool. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph. And he attended them. You know what that Hebrew word means? He ministered to them. Here you have a guy who has every reason to be angry. I'd probably be angry. You do all this faithful stuff with God and you're, you're still proclaiming his name and you're being obedient. And he's looking out for other people. He's ministering to them. And so it goes on. And what happens is they have this dream. Each one of them has a dream and it kind of freaks them out a little bit. And Joseph notices this. This is part of the ministry. When, he, when Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. 
he, you know, walks up to the prison cell and, are you guys okay? No, we're in prison. No, he, he notices there's a change. It's not just being in prison. There's some, there's a difference. And he asks them, what's going on? And they tell him, we had a dream. Can you interpret the dream? Now, these, these are people that have connections with Pharaoh, connections to his ticket out. You know what he says? He says this. He says, Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Now, this guy, it was the dreams that got him in trouble in the first place. Right now, the dream that Joseph had about being a leader and his brothers being under him has no chance of coming true. It, it seemed right when he was back home, right? I mean, there he, was, he had the special jacket and dad was just like, you've always been my favorite. He's like, I know. The dream for him back then of him ruling over his brothers seemed to fit. Now it doesn't fit at all. You ever been that in your life? Or God has given you something, or you've felt something, and now you look at your life and you go, this is not the way it's supposed to go down. Where's God in that? He's with Joseph. And Joseph just remains faithful, remains faithful, remains faithful. So much so that he can make this statement. Don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. God, God will come through. Go ahead. And so they, they, uh, they tell him the, the, the dreams and, uh, uh, you know, basically one guy is, um, they both have th- kind of a three-year deal, three-day deal. They had the number three in their dream. So the cupbearer tells his dream first. And Joseph says, yep, got it. It's a trippy dream. Don't eat that again the night before. You probably won't have that. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to go back to Pharaoh in three days. And he, you're going to be restored. You're going to be brought back as his cupbearer. Cupbearer is like, cool. Then he says to the baker, the baker's like, oh, mine has three days in it too because there's a three in there. And he says, okay, yes, yours does have three days. You're going to go back to Pharaoh in three days. Yay. And he's going to hang you. Boo. <laughs> and that's what happens. And Joseph says to the cupbearer, remember me, remember this, okay? Hey, come on, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Tell the Pharaoh, you heard my story, tell him what what was going on. And then if you have SpongeBob fans in here, two eels later, you know, it's like that thing, but you know SpongeBob fans, or I just do a really bad impersonation. Two years later, the, the, the the Pharaoh has this dream, and it's a freaky dream, and nobody can tell him about it. And the, and the cupbearer rem- is remem- remembering, hey, and here's what the cupbearer says. I love this. It's so cool. He says, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. <laughs> In other words, I forgot, but feel free to use this anytime with your spouse. Like if you went to the store and she says, did you get the milk? You say, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. It's just a really nice way to communicate. But he says, oh man, I forgot about this guy. And he goes and he tells Pharaoh, he says, hey, remember when um, I spilled that stuff on you and you got offended and then you put me in prison and you put the baker in prison too and then I came out and remember that guy and you hanged him? Yeah, well, while we're in jail, this guy Joseph told me about his dreams told me about my dreams. See, it's at this part of the story where we begin to go, oh, that now it all makes sense. 
But this has been 13 years for Joseph. He was 30 years old when this happened. And so what happens is they, they clean him up. They bring him to the king. It says they took him out of, out of prison. They cleaned him up. They washed him up. They kind of got, got him presentable. And they take him to Pharaoh. Now listen to this. This is, answers the question, what do we do? What does God think about our promotion? Right? We kind of saw his dem, uh, being demoted, and we kind of saw that God's still with him. God's still with him. What about being promoted? Because that's something we all want, right? So he goes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh tells him a dream and says, hey, can you interpret it? Here's what Joseph says. <laughs> it's so cool. He says, I cannot do it. Nope. I can't interpret your dream. Wouldn't you kind of make something up? I mean, I would. Like if you went in for a promotion right now and your boss calls you in and says, hey, we're thinking about making you manager of this whole thing. Um, it's a lot better pay. You know, it's really along your career track. No, nah, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm not gonna, I, can't, I can't do that, right? Watch what he says after this. It just blows my mind. I cannot do it, Joseph replied, but God, but God will. Where's God? He's with Joseph. I, I mean, Joseph would want to, I, I, I don't know, for me, I'd want to kind of work the system a little bit. I'd want to kind of make sure I got the job or make sure I said the right thing. Joseph says the absolute wrong thing. I can't do it, but God will give Pharaoh what he wants. That's astonishing to me that after all this time, 13 years, Joseph has this kind of faith. The trust in his heavenly father. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Joseph knows that, you know, this is it, man. Watch. Let, let, me, let me give you, our, let me give you our, our point for this morning. Success is experiencing the presence of God. If you want to be successful, you, know, you think, well, is a promotion making me successful? Is a demotion making me le less successful? If my, 401, my 401k goes up, you see, mine's so bad, I can't even know how to say it. If, if my 401k goes up, I'm successful. If it goes down, I'm not successful. If I get a job, successful. If I don't get a job, unsuccessful. What, I, what I'm trying to show us this morning is that the presence of God in our lives, through all the journey, because we're going to have times in our lives that are just lame, and we're going to have times in our lives that we feel like God is up there just handing out $100 bills. But God doesn't change. He doesn't change at all. Success, when I'm, when I'm truly at my best, when I'm truly successful, it's when the presence of God is so real in my life that nothing shakes me. That's being successful. Are you, how successful do you feel? I mean, what, what if we as a church just got to the point where it's like, yeah, man, no, whatever. Here, here, here's, what, here's what he does. Jo Joseph does this crazy thing. He tells him the dream. Basically, the dream, there were two dreams. And they were both kind of the same. One had to do with cows and one had to do with wheat. Okay, again, bizarre. But um, in one dream, there are these like fat, sleek cows and there's these emaciated cows and the emaciated cows eat the fat, sleek cows. And 
fairly creepy stuff. But Joseph explains it to him, listen, this is what's going to happen. This is the interpretation of the dream. God is going to give you seven years of prosperity and then seven years of famine. And the reason you have two dreams is because God, you, you read it in the scripture, it's pretty cool. It says to the sense, yeah, he's made up his mind and he's really serious about it. Like, well, he's God. That not his mind always made up? But anyway, so he says, look, this is, he's dead serious about this and it's going to happen quickly. Now, that's all Joseph was asked to do. Figure out the dream and give it an interpretation. And he does it. And then Joseph steps over every boundary you would do if you were talking to Pharaoh at the time. Remember, Pharaoh, the one got offended by the cupbearer and the baker, and he killed one of them because he got offended. This is the guy Joseph's about to make this next statement to. <laughs> it's so cool. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Now, there are a couple things here. Number one, Joseph has no business giving Pharaoh advice in the first place. He's a prisoner. He's supposed to be heading back to prison. But Joseph says, oh, yeah, that's the dream. That's the interpretation. Now, let me tell you what you're going to do here. And then he says, why don't you find someone smart to run Egypt? To Pharaoh, who runs Egypt. Like, why would you say that to the man who, it would be like, it would be like someone coming to your boss and going, hey, you walk into your boss's office and you go, hey, you know what? I just want to let you know, I think I know the problem. You know, we can solve our problems. She's like, well, how do you do that? We need to find someone to manage this office. Because we just need someone smart. How's that going to go? Right? You go to your teacher, you're like, I figured out the problem with the class. Man, I was up all night thinking about this. We need to find a good teacher. <laughs> right? If we could just find a good teacher somewhere. Anyway, think about it and get back to me and let me know, right? This is crazy. Where's God in this? Where's, I mean, Joseph, maybe Joseph is just like, hey, this is one way out of prison. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Look, he, he's just, God's with him. Okay? So, and then he goes on. He says, let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and take a fifth of the harvest in uh, Egypt during the seven years of abundance. He, he goes through this whole long process that Pharaoh, I, 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 you know, through the whole thing. And Pharaoh's sitting there going, man, this makes a lot of sense. We got to find someone smart to run Egypt. Hmm. Here's what he says. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God, who, who's getting the glory right now? God. Who's going to get the promotion? I'm sorry, I, I, I blew the ending for you. Joseph. See, we look at this part and then we say, that's why there was 13 years of all that. Well, yeah. But there's story after story after story after story in the Bible that didn't end this way. So since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. It, it's cool that there's a whole other section of scripture in here. It talks about, so they, well, he, he says this. Uh, he says, um, so Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. 
<laughs> where was Joseph in the morning, like when he woke up? Probably in a prison cell. From a prison cell to talking to Pharaoh, I hereby put you in charge of Egypt. Oh, all right, cool. Like, that's incredible. And then it goes on, and it says, um, <laughs> they gave him a ring and uh, a gold necklace and a robe, right? He gets his robe back, but it's a different robe. And, and a woman, they give him a wife. Like, you, you can't even choose your own wife. You're just like, oh, oh, we have a wife for you. Like, oh, please don't let it be Potiphar's wife. You know, like, you know you, you, you're, it's funny, though, the, the, the guy whose daughter she is, his name is Potiphera. It's kind of cool. I don't know if God meant anything by that, but uh, it's really cool. But we look at that and we say, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. The 13 years was worth it. The Bible doesn't promise that. It's never promised that. Listen, Joseph could have died in prison and God still would have been faithful because he's with him. He's seeing him through it. He's teaching him. He's got, he's got, he feels the presence of God in a prison cell. God's still faithful. Now, what does that mean for us, right? Because some of us are in that process. We're in the middle of the 13 years. We're in, the, uh, in, in this, this, this time of our lives where we're like, man, there's no way I was this faithful all my life and this is the end. This is what, where I'm at. There's no way. So what do we do? Well, I want to read a, uh, a section of scripture for you that Paul wrote. Because Paul really kind of <laughs> epitomizes this whole story. Paul had it really good. He was a Pharisee, probably wealthy. He was in control. He had power. He kind of had everything going for him. He was, he was persecuting the church. He felt spiritual because he felt like what he was doing, he was doing for God. He was successful. And Jesus just meets Paul. and He's blind and then Paul ends up the next few years in prison, getting beaten, getting stoned, getting shipwrecked, uh, be, beaten with rods, getting whipped, all this kind of stuff. And he ends up in prison. And you think, oh, he ends up in prison. Well, one day, one day Caesar's going to call Paul in and put a gold chain around his neck and give him a gold ring and maybe give him a wife. <laughs> it says for Joseph... They, they gave him a chariot and they'd have men run in front of it going, make way. Wouldn't that be cool? You're like at the mall and someone's yelling, make way. And you're just kind of walking through them. Anyway, this is Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. You know, you know how he died? <laughs> in prison. He was, he was martyred. See, God doesn't promise anything but that he will be with us. And success is feeling, understanding, knowing the presence of God. It can help us through anything. Check this out. Uh, Paul says this. <clears throat> I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. If I get promoted, I know exactly what to do. If I get demoted, I know exactly what to do. I've learned the secret. It doesn't matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter what my relationships are like. I know the secret. And then there's this famous verse that 
you probably already know. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can, I can do it all. Having the presence of Jesus in my life can see me through anything. Now listen, listen. If I allow it to, if I focus so much on my circumstances, I, believe me, I've done this time and time again, where I focused on my circumstances and my prayer was, get me out of this. Or if I could just have that other brass ring, or if, if this could just happen, if only this, if I only had a little more of this or a little more of that. And God's going, I'm right here. I am everything you need in life. 